Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. All right. Yeah, I got to take this off for now. <laughs> so, I like to listen to comedians, you know, when I'm kind of using my time at work, because I just got to fill up the time a little bit. It's a little, yeah, just, otherwise it's really boring in <laughs> what I do. So, when I listen to those comedians, they always start out with the uh, same routine. They say a little bit about themselves, and um, they tell the audience where they're from. Then, of course, when they say, oh, I'm from, you know, Michigan, or I'm from Illinois, or I'm from Kansas, you hear a little woohoo in the background, you know, because people are kind of proud of the fact that, hey, they've either been to that place, or they are from that place. So there's a little bit of pride from that. You hear, and you kind of hear that. It's like, oh, I'm from Seattle, and all of a sudden, a couple of people are like, oh, yeah, I'm from Seattle. But then they also ask, you know, they get that audience precipit- uh, precipitation, <laughs> they get that audience, um, you know, Involvement in, in, in their routine so that way they can kind of feel part of it. And so they'll ask, oh, ma'am, where are you from? Or, sir, where are you from? And, and they say, oh, you know, I'm from here, from there. And again, crowds, woo! So the question is asked is, where are you from? Yeah. See, there's sort of a, a pride and a unity, sense of belonging. But sometimes where you are from can save your life. Well, as we'll see here in Acts 22, you want to, if you want to follow along, we're going to be reading out of Acts 22, starting with verse 22. And as you turn there, let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you for, again, this opportunity to gather together. And, of course, naturally it seems that uh, the world's on fire. But, Father, we rejoice in the fact that you give us the warmth and the heat of your own soul and the body that you give us, Father. And we just pray that we... Uh, absorb that warmth and that uh, heat from who you are and that uh, we can use that to strengthen and give us energy uh, to serve you the best we possibly can, Father. And we just thank you so much for this time together. We thank you for all that you provide for us and we thank you for loving us unconditionally. And even though we don't deserve it, that you give us the chances that we do. And we love you and praise you in everything we have. In Jesus' precious name, amen. All right, this is a little close, so I'm going to move it away because I'm not wearing glasses today. Verse 22 says, And they listened to him until this word, and they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust in the air, The commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know why they shouted against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful to or for you to scourge a man who is Roman? And uncondemned. Verse 26, when the centurion heard that, he went and told 
the commander saying, take care of what you do, for this man is a Roman. The commander came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman? He said, yes. The commander answered with a large sum of some I've obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. Then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him. And the commander was also afraid. And after he found that out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. See, as we're faced with this fourth and final Sunday in the month of June, God has provided a, I find a very powerful word in that it relates to the subject of citizenship. In that word, I thought it would be fitting if I mentioned how this subject correlates to an event that is specific to and occurs annually in the month of June. This event is Flag Day. This used to be the very, a very celebrated day in the year. This was a day when Americans were encouraged to fly and honor the flag, which was formulated from a simple design created by Betsy Ross and adopted to represent a nation. On this day, we are encouraged to hold our nation's flag in the highest of esteem. We are led to fly the flag from our homes and our cars, from our businesses, from our local, state, and federal government buildings, showing not only the support of our country, but also the deep love, the deep love we have for our own citizenship in these here United States. That overwhelming swelling of pride, like we get when during the summer and winter Olympics, when we see that flag raised up, we kind of pump up a little bit. Or we're reminded sometimes after 9-11, all those flags flying everywhere. Inasmuch all of us are citizens, I can almost guarantee that at least 95% of our homes have a flag in it somewhere. It may not be on display or in, the, in a visual area of your, of your home. It may not even be hanging, on a, uh, hanging out on special holidays for all of us to see. But the bottom line here is that most of us own at least one flag, whether it's a little teeny-weeny handheld flag, a triangularly folded flag given by one of the military branches of service for a deceased loved one who has served this country. Our flag, or a flag requiring a giant flagpole for public display, or maybe have a sticker of a flag that we can proudly display on the car cars all year long, or like those big flags flying around in the back of those big pickup trucks that we see running around. When I see those, I mumble and sometimes say it out loud, America. <laughs> and even if we forget to fly our flag on Flag Day, 
Most of us are quick to pull out our flags on the 4th of July when we celebrate Independence Day here in the United States. On that day, most of us can remember the words that Francis Scott Key saying, Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming? Whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight, or, yeah, <laughs> I forgot my words are pretty. Or the ramparts we watched were so gallantly gleaming, or streaming, see how you did it again. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through that night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave? Just hoping to have a picture of a waving flag, but I wasn't too late for that. Or the land of the free and the home of the brave. Doesn't that stir up a wave of emotions just hearing that? It does me. Look, I'm getting chills. I love it. We know our flag. We honor our flag. We respect our flag because we are citizens whose ideologies and beliefs are as varied and diverse as they may be are represented under that flag. But what about that other flag that we should fall under? That one. Most of us don't own a Christian flag. We don't fly a flag to show our citizen, citizenship in society, in a society that's even bigger than our nation is. We do not display a flag that lets the world know that we are loyal to and have an allegiance to our Christian roots. I mean, there are some churches out there that display the Christian flag, we do, and the American flag at the same time throughout the year. And even if you were to ask some of those Christians in those churches that do fly that flag or display it, what it even looks like when it's unfurled. They couldn't begin to give you an accurate description of it. It's just there for show. There's a, another citizenship event in June that I thought about and prayed about and I wanted to mention today. Have you heard of Juneteenth? This is a celebration that began down in Texas to commemorate the announcement to the slaves in that state that the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed by our 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, and that they were no longer slaves, but they were free men and women, free boys and free girls. Now, mind you, the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed the first day of January in 1863, and yet for six full months, the word did not get down to Texas, and the slaves harbored there remained enslaved. For six full months, these slaves continued to work the land of their masters. For six full months, these slaves continued to be whipped and beaten like savage beasts. For six full months, these so-called slaves didn't know who they were and had a false perception of their citizenship. 
However, the Bible does tell us that by Jesus' stripes, by his beatings, by his whippings, by his scourgings, we are already healed. Because of his beatings, we don't have to be beat anymore. Because of his sufferings, we don't have to suffer in that way anymore. Because of his life, death, and resurrection, we are freeborn today. And history tells us back in 1863, the word of freedom finally arrived to Texas somewhere in the middle of June. And on the 4th of July, 1776, we were all joined, I say all joined, in the citizenship of this great country. By the grace of God, we were born into this country. Unfortunately, it took a little longer for some, in my opinion, too long. But it was then and there we were now subjects to the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America. We are now citizens of this great country and allotted and afforded all the rights and privileges of being an American citizen. See, in order to really understand the citizenship thing, this, this citizenship thing I'm talking about it's important, and its importance, we must first understand what it means to be a citizen. The American Heritage College Dictionary defines a citizen as a person owning loyalty to and entitled by birth or naturalization to the protection of the state or, na- or a nation. A citizen can also be defined as a resident of a city or a town, especially one entitled to vote and enjoy other privileges therein. Don't start yelling at me, Will. Don't be bringing that stuff up. I'm going to. (laughs) In other words, there are benefits to being a citizen in his or her citizenship is the privileges are granted to be a citizen because of her citizenship his or her citizenship, there is a protection guaranteed by the society, by the city, by the state, or by the nation because of the citizenship that they hold. And on the flip side of that, if the grantor of the citizenship is going to make all these provisions for the citizen, then there must be some loyalty required of the citizen. Did you hear me? Kind of goes both ways, doesn't it? If we are really, or if we are to really, really develop this powerful message of citizenship from the Lord as presented by our message this morning or by the text that we just read, we must first go back in time and explore the background and history of the early elements that shaped the life of the Apostle Paul and established his citizenship. So yeah, we're going to do some history lesson here. Background history will show that the Apostle Paul was born around the year 3 in the Jewish community of Tarsus. Tarsus was the chief city of the capital of the province of Cilicia. Cilicia. There, Cilicia. Located in the southeast Asia Minor. Upon his birth, Paul's very strict Pharisee parents decided or dedicated him to the service of God and did all they could to bring him up as a good Jewish man. His family was Pharisee. 
They were Jewish by their faith. They were Jewish in accordance to the religion of Judaism in which they practiced. They were Jews and lived in communities full of Jews. And yet they were Romans because they lived in a Roman society and were part of a Roman nation, of the Roman nation. Paul was Roman because he had been born a citizen of the Roman Empire. At eight years old, history tells us that Paul, Paul's parents, sorry, named him Saul after the first king of Israel, who was from the tribe of Benjamin. However, in this little-known fact that his parents also gave him a Latin name of Paul because of their Roman citizenship. It was the name Saul that Paul shed along with the Pharisee upbringing when the blinding light on the road to Damascus struck him down. It was this moving experience that changed him, but his citizenship credentials were not. When he was converted from the traditionalism of the Jews to being a born-again follower of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And folks, much of America is just like that today. We have Protestants and Catholics. We both... We boast Jews and Muslims. We have Buddhists and Hindus. In some cases, there are communities that are set up specifically for those religions and beliefs. This is where you will find most those that living in this country, uh, community are part of the same religions, like I said, and establishments. And yet all of them, well, most of them, are citizens of the United States. They are American citizens despite their religious background. They are American citizens despite their ethnic or uh, genealogical. It's easy to hear it in your head and then just type it. Genealogical background. They are American citizens because some and most were born here. Some applied for it and some were granted naturalization status like my grandfather. And they were even given some of, they were given some to those who are Americans even though they were born on foreign soil because their parents were American at the time of their birth. See, Paul's citizenship status always remained in question, mainly because he was a traveling man. He went around. He was known for traveling from country to country, from region to region, from city to city, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been covering this in our studies in Acts. You kind of remember that, right? All those maps that we've been following and things. As a traveling man, Paul would have assuredly been questioned of his citizenship. These questions would have come because people were treated differently based on their citizenship. Romans were treated differently by Roman rulers. And if they were Romans, then if they were or then if they were Israelites, they were treated a little differently. Pharisees were treated differently by other Pharisees, and of course differently than other Israelites. They were treated differently is if they were Sadducees, and Sadducees were treated differently by other Sadducees than if they were Pharisee. See how it goes, they're just everybody treated a little, somebody a little bit different just because they were slightly different or they practiced differently. See, and today in a 2021 America, there is not much different even now. What most of us face in our daily lives, certain races 
of people treat other certain races of people differently. And religions treat other religions differently than if they were not the same as theirs. And the reason for this difference in, in treatment is because like minds think alike. We'll see that it's okay sometimes to, to think the same, but we shouldn't react the same. The reason for this difference in treatment is because like minds, like I said, have like experiences. If you don't know my experiences, how it, it's hard for you to afford me the same opportunities as someone who can relate, who we can relate to. So, thinking of like what college you went to, what kind of studies you did, what kind of things. So jobs are afforded different people because of their experience and their knowledge, not because of the color of their skin. Well, at least it shouldn't be. Not because of the race and or religion that they practice. That doesn't matter. Are they able to do the job that they, that they were asked to do? And that's why in most cases you will find in the church that all of the good Christian folk who are trying to do right, who are trying to study their Bibles, who are trying to attend Sunday school and Bible study, who are trying to raise their children in the church, who are trying to walk by faith and not by sight, who are trying to look to the hills, so to speak, for their help, will tend to migrate together, worship together, talk on the phone together, praise God together, support their pastor together, serve together. They will do these things together because they have the same citizenship. And they are loyal to the brothers and sisters who are walk under the same blood-stained banner no matter the color of their skin or what their background was. Whether it be that one and especially that one. And you need to understand that according to Scripture, this kind of separation, like I said, is okay. For over in Romans 15, 5 through 6, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not saying to treat people differently. It's not saying that because you come from a different background that you treat people differently. It's saying in like mind come together. It's okay for us to be like-minded. Like-minded people. And treat one another in a like-minded way. But you also got to be careful where your citizenship has been established. You got to be careful with the crowd that you call yourself running with. And you have to know that when you change sides and start running with the right side, when you change your citizenship and denounce the wickedness of your old citizenship, I'm talking about the people, the gangs, the, 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 I use the gangs loosely, the folks that you can congregate with that you might not want to be doing with. There are going to be people in those old gangs who don't like the new things that are coming from your mouth. The Bible tells us that Paul had transferred a portion of his allegiance from being a ruling Pharisee to that of being one of the greatest writers of Christian literature. He had changed from being 
a cold-blooded accessory to murder and persecutor of the saints to being one who loved and encouraged the brethren, but that there was some backlash from this transformation. There were people who did not like Paul's new message. There were people who didn't like what Paul had become a part of. There were people who would rather see Paul dead than to see him continue preaching about Jesus. In verse 22, they listened until they had enough. And someone cried out, away with him. They say, well, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Say, so can you see Paul's enemies, his old, his old hanging buddies, beginning to act foolish? Verse 23 says that they began to tear off their own clothing. Not only that, but they also began to throw up dust in the air. In other words, they had decided to kill this man who had been one of them, but was now exposing them for who they, who they really were. See, Paul was no longer conformed to their word, but he had been transformed by the renewing of his mind. And he was no longer like-minded with the wicked. Some of us here, and maybe even some listening if they ever do, can think about that transformation, their own transformation. But see here, these men didn't, not only did they need to get a little bit more comfortable to carry out this task, they tore off their clothes. They were getting ready to throw down like we like to talk. They were, they were getting ready. They began to, to get active to the point that they were stirring up dust. See, Paul must have been in a very bad way about this time. He would have been... It would have been reasonable to presume that he was beginning to have some flashbacks of his own horrid past. He must have been thinking about that the tide had certainly turned against him. <clears throat> because the Bible tells us when Stephen was stoned on the outskirts of the city, there was a young Roman soldier by the name of Saul who had held, or at least the clothing was put by his feet by the folks who were doing the stoning. And now here was an angry mob, an angry crowd who wanted to stone Paul and put him to death. That's when Paul stopped and declared his citizenship. Say, I told you he can save you. I can hear him say in verse 26, uh, asking the rhetorical question. See, a rhetorical question, if you don't know, is a question that you already knew the answer to, but you're just asking it for the sake of hearing the answer that people give. And I can hear Paul asking those men who had bound him with thongs, as it says, is it lawful for you to scourge, scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? In other words, that Paul was asking, what, was it legal to punish a man or a citizen of the Roman Empire who, was not, who has not been tried? You can see the guards stopping in their tracks. Can't you see those who were preparing to slay Paul, trying to find rocks, because they're a good thing they were on a paved road. Looking at him as they were, they kind of turned into like a ghost. You can see those folks tearing off their clothes and kicking up dust, trying to get their clothes back on so they can leave the scene of the crime. 
the Bible tells us that the centurion didn't want any part of this. So he went over and told the commander of the army, he told him, I think we got done goofed. I think we messed up. I think you messed up. <laughs> For the man in our custody is a Roman citizen. He has not been tried. He has not been condemned under Roman law. Do you really know what you've gotten into it, gotten us into? <laughs> and what are you doing, this man? And you can see the commander getting up from his desk and going to where Paul was being, already being held. He's looking at Paul and standing there with his hands and feet bound in front of him. Can you hear him asking the question, Paul, are you a Roman citizen? And I don't know about you, but it excites me to hear that Paul boldly proclaimed his citizenship, not by boasting on it, but by simply saying with authority, yes. That kind of reminds me sometimes of captured soldiers that are out in the field fighting a war and they get captured and their, their captures, their captors are standing and holding them bound. They're bound similarly. They ask him, what are you doing here? Or other stupid questions that we already know the answer to. But those soldiers sit there boldly and say their name and rank and serial number. Which basically proves the fact that they are Americans and they are proud to be there. But then, can't you see back in Rome, the Roman commander being knocked down back off his feet, looking down at Paul dressed in his lowly rags, looking like something less than what he was proclaiming to be? Every now and then, people will look down on you and think that they're better than you are. Listen to what the commander said. I pay a whole lot of money for my citizenship. I paid a whole lot of money to call myself a Roman. I paid a whole lot of money for my privilege, for my protection, for the ability to declare myself a Roman citizen. And I can imagine how the commander, thinking this man was nothing, how he can afford to proclaim that I've had to pay this whole heap of money for my citizenship. Paul answered the commander and told him, I was born a, citizenship, a citizen, my lord. And can't you see them immediately withdrawing from around Paul? See all the commander, commander's confidence just drain out of him. You can see him hurrying away, trying to get the chains and the shackles off of him because he was in the right kind of citizen. So I want you to know this, that you and I have also been given the right to a citizenship that we can declare in the time of our troubles. You and I have been given access to a citizenship that we can declare when our enemies are all around us. And you should be able to declare today that you didn't have to pay a whole lot to declare that citizenship today. Because 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 tells us you were bought with a price. So it was, wasn't our place to pay for our citizenship. As a matter of fact, our citizenship didn't have a, per, didn't have a purchase price because, like Paul, 
we were born into the citizen, into our citizenship. For I can hear Jesus saying that if you want to be a citizen in this new nation, you must be born again. And just like there are benefits to being an American citizen, there are also benefits to being a citizen of God's kingdom. The Bible also tells us to seek ye first the kingdom of God and the righteousness and all the things that shall be added to unto you. In other words, if you are loyal to the kingdom, spiritual renewal will be knocking on your door. If you're loyal to the kingdom, you will find peace down deep in your soul. If you're loyal to the kingdom, you can declare your citizenship and doors will be open for you. And yes, if you are loyal to the kingdom, even financial blessing may be added unto you. Let me tell you what, how, how that kind of comes out sometimes. There was a, a pastor living down in California. Every once in a while, he'd go down to Mexico. On the way there, there was no security. Just walk right in. Anybody can just walk right in. He still can. But on the way out, once he was done preaching or buying some pineapples, doing whatever, oranges, he had to stop on the way in and get in line and declare his citizenship. I've been down to Mexico and I did the same thing. The guard looks at me and I said, my, well actually the guard looks at my stepmother and she said American. She's a fairly, she was a fairly light-skinned, light blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, so kind of thought it was okay. <laughs> but she says, American. And the guard looked at me and I said, what do you think? <laughs> I was a punk, so yeah. I had to say something. I said, yes, American. But sometimes they would ask for proof of this citizenship. When we declare it, they would ask for a photo identification of some sort. And they would ask this pastor the same thing. He would have to prove his citizenship by showing his photo ID before they would let him pass back into the United States. Well, being a citizen of God's kingdom is just like that. Every now and then, you may get stopped on your journey to get into the, and be stopped and show your citizenship to get into the kingdom. But when you get stopped, just declare your citizenship. Usually it's all it takes. After you declare your citizenship, if you look a, like a foreigner, like you don't belong there, you may be even asked to show some form of identification. That's when you should be able to reach down and pull out your ID. And I'm not talking about your driver's license. They won't be looking at your date of birth, your place of birth. They won't be looking at how good your picture looks. Well, they might look at mine a little bit longer. They won't be trying to see what your blood type is. They won't be looking at anything. But if some, someone's at the gate is trying to identify or to prove your identification to get into the kingdom, they will look at your ID card and they ought to find these words. Pretty bold. It should say love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Those are your credentials. And if they can't find any of these, 
they ought to look and see who signed your ID. They should be able to see it on your face. You should be able to present it to them by your manner and how you speak, how you treat others. Not the same people that you hang out with, but others. I'm glad today that I know that my ID card has been signed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm glad today that I know that my ID card has holy, holy, holy right across the top of it. I'm glad today that I know that my ID card has been signed, sealed, and delivered by a man named Jesus Christ. That's the citizenship that we belong to. Our document of proof in that citizenship has a nice, beautiful seal on it that says, Jesus, the lily of the valley. Jesus, the bright and, more, and the morning star. Jesus, the great I am. Jesus, the rock of ages. Jesus, Lord of lords and king of kings. Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. It doesn't say down there, brought to you by the President of the United States. Brought to you by the governor of the state that you live in. The mayor of the city that you live in. In my case, it says, Jesus Christ. And really down below it, it says, by Crystal Hernandez. <laughs> so where does your faith lie? Where does your citizenship lie? What flag do you lay your faith under? That's a question. What flag do you well up with pride and reverence for when you see it? For me, I do love that flag. But I'm proud to serve under this one. Where does your citizenship lie? Keep asking yourself that question. It should be perfectly and abundantly clear what citizen you are part of, that kingdom of heaven. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we just thank you again for this time together. We thank you for your loving kindness that you've given us provision, that you supply for us all that we need and all that we mostly desire, Father. We thank you again for loving us so much that you gave us our, your son and you gave him so freely to us that we can be now called citizen of your great kingdom, Father. And we thank you for paying that price for us. You actually bought us, not what we did or what we give, Father. And we thank you for today. We thank you even for this heat that we have. It's a reminder again, like I said before, of your power and your glory. That in a moment's notice again, that you could bring so much heat and so much warmth into our bodies that it's almost overwhelming, Father. And we just thank you for that. And we ask for prayers for those, of course, who are uh, you know, in a, uh, a bind when it comes to this heat. They have uh, no way or an easy way to cool themselves down, Father. We thank you for allowing us to pray for them and hope that they will be able to find some comfort and withstand this in the next few days, Father. And, and we just thank you for what's to come. We know that hardships don't last when we belong to your kingdom, Father. We know that hardships can't bring us completely down, Father, because, again, you have the ability to hurdle all those. We give all this to you, Father, and we just thank you for uh, bringing us together today. 
those who aren't here, Father, we know that, again, it's a hard thing to get outside right now. And, and Father, we pray for them as well. And we thank you for those gathered here today that we're able to worship you in a like mind and a like way. And we ask for, Father, that, again, you continue to bless us as you see fit as we go on through the rest of this weekend and the rest of the week comings. And, of course, naturally, when we're gathered together next week for our separation from the kingdom of, of the, the United Kingdom back in those days, back in 17 and 76, that we can declare our citizenship and our freedom from oppression, but also all citizens here in the United States can say the same thing, that we are declared free from tyranny and declared free from bigotry and declared free from all the things that hold us down, Father, because, of course, you've shown your mercy and love to this nation, and we hope and pray, Lord, that we turn back to you, this nation turns back to you, and that we can, we can continue in our freedoms, but with a new line in sight that we all belong to the same nation, Father, that we belong to you. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.